How's it, Mzanzi? Welcome to Farmers Inside Track Weekend Edition. My name is Duncan Masiwa, Head of News at Food for Mzanzi, and I'm standing in for my colleague Dawn Numdu. So, New Year's resolutions aren't exactly my thing, I have to admit, but I'm quite impressed with the amount of planning our farmers have been doing to ensure a rather smooth sailing 2022. It seems like many will be taking the first steps in regenerative agriculture this year. And this is, of course, essentially a set of farming principles and practices that rehabilitates and enhances the entire ecosystem of the soil. Our expert this week is Andrew Ardington, the founder of the Regenerative Agricultural Association of South Africa. Andrew, thanks for joining us. Now, with the exciting new processes, innovations and technologies, farming today is more precise, more productive and more sustainable than ever before. Why should more farmers be embracing regenerative agriculture this year? I would challenge that assumption. We certainly aren't more sustainable. Sustainable industrial farming is a contradiction in terms. You can't be sustainable if you are dependent on external inputs to the degree that industrial farming is. And then we need to ask, are we really more productive? Perhaps in terms of yield per hectare we are, but what about other measures? We are using more synthetic fertilizer, more chemicals, and more soil. Yes, sadly we do use soil, than ever before. So if we measure productivity against those non-renewable inputs, it challenges the paradigm that we are more productive. Our issue is that we view commodity farming as a contest around yield and how many inputs we use to produce that yield and how much profit per hectare was made from that yield never come into the question. Did you ever hear of a farmer winning an award for being the most profitable grain producer? No, it's always most yield per hectare. By definition, industrial farming practices are not sustainable. Without significant fossil fuel inputs and with fertilizer and chemicals carrying massive externalities, externalities being the costs that the environment carries rather than the farmer and the consumer. The equation does not balance. You have to believe that those non-renewable resources are actually renewable in order for it to do that. In short, you have to deceive yourself. Like with a bank account that you keep drawing money out of and not putting money into, you will go bankrupt. If you know that the equation doesn't balance, then you also know that we need to move to less resource-dependent farming. The reason why this year is the year to start transitioning to regenerative agriculture is that the massive hike in fertilizer and weed upside prices is not just a once-off. It's not just for 2021. These inputs use massive amounts of energy in their production. Energy, like the amounts we need to make nitrogen fertilizer, is not going to get any cheaper going forward. So we need to start changing, and we need to start changing now to give your farm a chance of a future. So following regenerative practices focuses on renewal and restoration of the soil and land. But practically speaking, what are the regenerative basics farmers should be putting in place? Regeneration is a very wide field, dealing with all aspects of farming and life around farming. But when we reduce our view of regeneration to just the soil, we can come down to just five principles. All five of these principles deal with soil health, which lies at the core of any regenerative practice. The first principle is that of minimum disturbance. The soil is home to a multitude of microorganisms that make the soil function. 
And when we disturb that soil with tillage and chemicals, we kill those microorganisms, especially the fungi. This also releases carbon into the atmosphere. So we don't want to do that. So step one is don't disturb the soil. This includes digging up a vegetable garden. Don't dig. All you're doing is making the ideal environment for weeds to grow and reducing your soil's health. The second principle is to keep it covered. We need to keep our soil covered all the time, either with a living plant or plant residue. The sun, the wind, and the rain can be very destructive to healthy soils. We need to protect our soils from those elements. The third principle is the principle of the living root. Those soil microorganisms only get their food via one mechanism, and that is from the sugars that plants exude into the soil from their roots. Now, that only happens when the plants are growing. So if there are no growing plants in soil, well, then the microorganisms in that soil are not receiving any food. Think in terms of our annual cropping agriculture, how often the fields are left bare. The fourth principle is that of diversity. Don't just feed them cornflakes 24-7, 365. Just like you, they need a more diverse diet than the same meal every day. And that diverse diet comes from having more diverse plant species above the ground. The problem is, is that our farming tends towards monocultures, and as a result, our soil microorganisms get a very unbalanced diet. The fifth principle is incorporate animals. When we invented synthetic nitrogen fertilizer, we no longer used green manures and we took livestock out of our fields. We need to get our livestock off the concrete and back into our fields, into the rotations, so that they can stimulate the soil microorganisms with their dung and their urine. If you apply these five principles to your soil, whether on a giant mealy farm or on a small vegetable garden, you will improve your soil health and you will be able to produce food sustainably while working with nature rather than against it. What are the benefits of regenerative agriculture and how long does it actually take for farmers to see a return on investment? So the benefits of regenerative agriculture are numerous. Probably the major one is that it is truly sustainable. You can produce a crop and regenerate your soil at the same time rather than deplete it. What that means is that you can continue to farm your land for generations to come. Your farm and its environment are no longer part of a downward spiral, but rather an upward one. The effect on this is significant as you move into a paradigm of promoting and celebrating life rather than killing it. As celebrated regenerative agricultural practitioner Gabe Brown says, I used to wake up in the morning and ask myself what I was going to kill today. A weed, a fungus, whatever. I was going to kill something. Now I wake up and ask myself, how can I make more life on my farm today? Not only will this change improve your working environment, which will become significantly healthier, you will also be part of a collective effort to halt environmental degradation. And the psychological positives of this are significant. In terms of production and profit, your farm will be more resilient to knocks. And with climate change, knocks are coming. And ultimately, your farm will be more profitable. With reduced annual input costs, you can escape living in debt and move to a more resilient financial situation. In a study done in the Midwestern United States, the regenerative 
farms in the area produced 20% less than the industrial farms, but they were 78% more profitable. It is difficult to say how long it takes to get to this situation, as each farm and each situation is different and has its own context. I'm currently working with a farmer who is instantly seeing a return. In the first year, he has replaced 50% of his nitrogen fertilizer with biological products. So no saving there, as the one cost has just been replaced by the other. But since we did those equations, the price of nitrogen fertilizer has gone through the roof. And so he's actually making a saving. Next season, his nitrogen will drop to 30% of what he would have originally added. And so he's going to make a significant saving. Typically for grain farmers, the economics suggests that at four years, you will be better off than if you had stayed conventional farming. And at 10 years, you'll be significantly better off. Remember, the economics of industrial agriculture is on a downward spiral. And regenerative agriculture is going upwards. So over time, the difference between these two paths becomes significant. Is it common knowledge that switching from conventional farming to regenerative agriculture can be expensive? And how can especially beginner farmers move around this price hurdle? So what are they, these expenses of changing to regenerative agriculture? For some, it's buying a new planter so that they can change to no-till planting. For others, it's the infamous dip in production, as practices which allow soil health to return to a farm are implemented on that farm. Farmers cut back on external inputs, but the soil isn't ready to take up the slack and yields fall while the soil recovers. In the case of a livestock farmer, it could mean more fencing to create the additional camps you need, or water reticulation to get water to those camps, or increasing stock to deal with the increased biomass on the farm. These are all real expenses, and aside from the planter, they can all be introduced incrementally, spread out over a number of years. Transitioning to regenerative agriculture practices can be done gradually. It does not have to be a cold turkey process. And that feared production crash can be managed. There are now significant new biological input options that can reduce the initial yield loss associated with transitioning. These biological products can be used to cover the impact of cutting back on synthetic fertilizer use. And with those prices skyrocketing, the cost savings can happen right from the outset. These biologicals work by supporting the plants while the soil is healing and getting to the conditions where it can ultimately provide that support. Farmers can make up their own biological products going forward and cut costs even further. The biggest change required to adopt regenerative agriculture is a change in mindset, a change to working with rather than against nature, and to accept that farmers need to interact closely with their land and not just follow some chemical recipe. And that change of mindset is free. It doesn't cost anything. Now, before we say goodbye, do you believe that regenerative agriculture can actually reverse climate change? This is a wild claim that you often encounter, but it's exactly that, a wild claim. No individual action can reverse climate change and environmental collapse. We need to massively reduce fossil fuel emissions, most of which are unrelated to agriculture, and we need to simultaneously draw down carbon from the atmosphere. Right now, the only tool that we have to do that, to draw down carbon, is photosynthesis. 
We need to stop investing in wild ideas and focus on this photosynthesis. It is estimated that our history of agriculture has resulted in the photosynthetic potential of the planet being halved. Given our current situation, that is a terrifying statistic. We need to work at turning that around. We need to be managing the Earth's surface to maximize photosynthesis per hectare while minimizing the emissions associated with making that photosynthesis happen. The problem is that industrial agriculture does not aim to maximize photosynthesis per hectare. In fact, it is highly inefficient in that regard. And the photosynthesis that it does lead to comes with significant carbon emissions. What regenerative agriculture can do is produce healthy food while returning the carbon to the soil. Carbon that our farming practices of the last hundred years have released into the atmosphere. What regenerative agriculture can do is make healthy soils that maximize photosynthetic potential, stop erosion, infiltrate and hold water, and in their process, repair the crucial planetary cycles like the carbon cycle, nitrogen, and water cycle. Couple that with massive reductions in emissions and we're moving in the right direction. Hugely inspirational and hugely important too. Thanks for your time, Andrew Ardington. He's of course the founder of the Regenerative Agricultural Association of South Africa. That brings us to the end of this Farmer's Inside Track episode. From me, Duncan Masiwa, technical producer Megan van der Fint, and the rest of Team Food from Zanzi, have a great weekend. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring, and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food Form Zanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.